Thank you, Amber. How are we doing this morning? We're good? Doing well? Good. Hey, if I've not met you yet, my name is Jay, one of the pastors here, and we are continuing our teaching series on seven deadly sins, and I was just, you know, being reminded how appropriate it is for us to talk about this issue of anger, also known as wrath, on the day we lose an hour of sleep on Daylight Savings Day. As a way of a reminder, uh, Seven Deadly Sins is a collection. It's a gathering of sins. It's not an exhaustive list, but it's, it's, it's a list that shows um, what we would call the tendencies that, that we go into where there is self-destruction in us. And John Cassian is a fourth century a Christian monk. And here's what he said about seven deadly sins. He says that these are like a, like a diagnostic mirror of our heart. In other words, seven deadly sins reveal, they reveal a secret darkness of our soul. Pride, greed, lust, envy, gluttony, sloth. And today we'll cover anger. And based on what's known as uh, emotions wheel, some researchers say that there are over 34,000 different kinds of emotions that we will experience in a lifetime. Those are a lot of emotions, right? Now, for men, there's actually one particular emotion that we will kind of experience consistently and constantly through our lifetime. That's emotion of hunger, right, guys? We, we stay hungry. And if you're wondering, is that a truly an emotional experience? The answer is yes. You know hunger is a very intense experience because you combine hunger and anger together, you get something very lethal called hangry. And I think it's important for us to know that uh, anger in and of itself is not a sin. Let me say that again. Anger in and of itself is not a sin. Anger is a feeling. It's, it's a feeling that God has given to us. It's an emotion. It is a gift from the Lord. But it's what we do with our anger that puts us in trouble. You know, there are many characters in the uh, entertainment world that makes light of anger and they make it humorous, right? So we have, if you grew up in the 90s, you know, this character by the name of George Costanza from the sitcom Seinfeld, and his whole character was based on anger management. And here was a a guy who was self-absorbed, just, you know, he gets explosive, and one day he found himself in a Rageaholics Anonymous meeting. Or do you remember the character Anger from the Disney movie Inside Out? There's this red character. Uh, he's in the, inside the mind of this young gal named Riley. And Anger has this explosive spirit whenever the things don't go, don't go as planned. And yes, anger can be humorous. It can be funny. But if truth be told, if you're at the receiving end of, of anger, it could be very hurtful. Very, very painful. You know, right now we are living in a culture, I think you would agree agree with me on this, we are living in a culture where we are living in a society of rage and outrage, often fueled intentionally by the media because they know that anger is marketable, anger sells, a new study supports that anger is the most viral emotion on the internet. There's an entire industry out there who are taking advantage of our anger in order to sell certain products or certain views. So today we're going to cover anger as we talk about seven deadly sins. Uh, Please turn with me to Genesis chapter 4 if you have your Bible or your Bible apps with you. And as you turn there, let me go ahead and preface by saying this. I'm not going to cover what's known as good anger or righteous anger. There is a difference between righteous anger versus destructive anger. 
A righteous anger is anger that notices the injustice in the world. And yes, we should get angry when we see racism and poverty, when, when life is not valued and there's violence. And John Stott says, there is, a, there is such thing as Christian anger. And it's redemptive. A righteous anger makes wrong things right. But I believe that the majority of anger that we experience in a lifetime is not necessarily the righteous anger, not the good kind, right? It's, it's the bad kind, the harmful, sinful, destructive anger. And that's what we're going to see in Genesis chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. It's a story of the two sons of uh, Adam and Eve. And here's how it goes, starting in verse 1. Now, Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. And again, she bore his brother Abel. Now, Abel was a keeper of sheep and Cain, a worker of the ground. Let me pause here and say this. Now, if you're from Texas, we would say that Abel was a rancher and Cain was a farmer. One worked with animals, other worked with plants and vegetation and fruits. And verse three continues. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. And Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. Now, here's something that I want us to pick up on from this passage. Uh, I want you to know the context of the story. One can argue that this is happening in the context of worship. There is an outdoor worship gathering taking place. It's two people church got Abel and Cain, I don't know who their preacher is, and they're bringing offering to the Lord. Now, I'll bring this background to you because when it comes to frustrations and, and anger and annoyance, um, you have not experienced real true anger unless you experienced Christian people, church people anger, right? Church people anger, they're in a whole different strata, a whole different world, and especially it comes to when we talk about worship and territorialism, not, not at Hallenberg Price, I'm talking about other churches, right? And, and notice that Abel uh, brings an offering of the firstborn because he works with animals and Cain brings something from the ground because he's a farmer. So uh, they're bringing something based on their everyday vocation, what they do. And verse four continues on by saying, the Lord show favor, favor for Abel's offering, but for Cain, in verse five, in his offering, God had no regard. In other words, God rejects Cain's offering. Now, for centuries, there's been a debate uh, by very smart, brilliant theologians on why God accepts Abel's offering and why God rejects Cain's offering. And there are a couple of theories, popular theories out there, and let me just share them with you first. Some commentators say that God accepts Abel's offering because Abel, as a rancher, he offered animal blood sacrifice. So he's bringing a firstborn animal offering to the Lord. While Cain, because he's a farmer, brings grain offering, plants. And some theologians would say that the animal offering, blood sacrifice, is, is more worthy. It holds gravitas compared to plant offering. Now, I don't believe that to be plausible because why? These two brothers were offering simply based on what they were doing, based on their vocation. Uh, other scholars would say that, um, that, that, that Abel gave God his very best while Cain got, gave God leftovers. So they're saying that Cain's attitude and, and motives were bad. Now, when we read Genesis chapter four on its own, I don't think it clearly explicitly say why God rejects Cain's offering. 
And when scripture is not clear, we need to look at the entire whole counsel of God to see how God is speaking into this particular story. So I'm going to take you to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 4. And this is what the writer of, of Hebrews says about this particular story. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain. So the only thing we know for sure is that Abel offered based on his faith. So the implication here is that that Cain's offering lacked faith. And we know from scripture that it is impossible to please God without faith. Faith is what made the difference. You see, Cain, I believe, was going through the motions of worship, but he did not come to the Lord with his full trust and surrender and obedience to the Lord. He was going through the motions, no, no faith involved. And Abel came to the Lord with a sense of faith and trust in the Lord, full, with a heart of full of submission. And now watch what happens uh, with Cain in verse five. So Cain was very angry and his face fell. And this is the very first time where we hear the word anger or angry in the Bible, right here in Genesis chapter four. And Dr. Daniel Goldman is an emotional intelligence expert and he says this about anger. This is what he writes. He writes, emotions are more contagious than the flu. This dynamic is so powerful that in one experiment, three volunteers sat silently in a circle for two minutes. And then at the end of the time, the most emotionally expressive person transmitted his or her mood to the other two without saying a word. So check this out. Dr. Goldman is saying this, that when you're surrounded by an emotionally expressive person, especially when, you when you're dealing with anger, that person has the ability to change the atmosphere of the space around them, whether at work or home. So for instance, let's say you have a, a very angry boss or angry coach or angry teacher. That one person has the ability to create this atmosphere that's very toxic and very hurtful. And, and some of you know exactly what I'm talking about because you live with someone that is setting the emotional thermostat of your house. And when that person comes into your space, your home and apartment or that or surrounding space, if that person is angry, that person gets to control the thermostat of that space around you. And in a way, Cain's anger was contagious. It spread quickly, and it has been passed down to us generationally. And his anger is representative of sin that is so infectious, right? And one of the key contagions to, to sinful anger is bitterness. Look at verse 7. The Lord says to Cain in verse seven, if you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. And that phrase, sin is crouching at the door is a Hebrew expression that describe how sinful anger is like a wild animal. It's waiting and lying down and ready to pounce and prey on its victim. Sinful anger or this understanding of sin that's crouching at the door. Another Hebrew interpretation says it, that, that it's like an anger is like a door that opens up for demonic presence, for evil presence to come into you, to control you, to master you, to have power over you. Because you see, anger is not passive and sin is not passive. Sin is very active. And sin wants to take a control of your life and control us. And oftentimes, the way, the, the way the, that anger does this is through bitterness. I remember when our kids were little, we have four kids, 
during, I think it was a spring break, we decided to go to an indoor water park, one of those places where there's a lazy river and waterfalls, and we're all happy and joyous. And my wife, Lee Sun, takes the girls to the women's locker room to change. I took the boys to the boys' locker room to change, and we were coming out. And um, there was this one of those um, glass see-through doors, right? And we we're about to walk out, and I see another kid, a little bit older than our boys, on the other side. And maybe he didn't see us. Maybe he was so excited, but I felt like it was kind of intentional. He shoved the door so hard to the point where the door clipped the, the toenail off one of my boys. Obviously, he's because you're not wearing shoes. We're at water park. He was crying and is hurting. I'm looking at my son, trying to care for him. Quarter of my eyes, I see. And this boy, by the way, he was like grimacing, like, ah, maybe I hurt him, right? No sympathy. And my, I see my wife running towards us, trying to make sure that our son's okay. Then Lee's son turns to this boy and says, hey, you just heard my son. At, you know, is, is your mom around? Can we talk? And this boy just took off running, right? And we didn't think much of this boy, and we're just caring for our, our child. A few minutes later, this boy shows up with his mom, but you could tell this mom was furious, and she's going after my wifely son and saying, how dare you? How dare you to tell my son that my son caused harm to your child? You are lying. And my son told me that, that, that you were holding on to him, which wasn't true at all. And so like, this, this lady is, is going at my wife. And if you know my wife, she's very gentle, full of mercy, not on this day. She, I saw a different side of her come out saying, and she started like yelling at this mom saying, no, that is not true. Look at my child. Look at his toenail. It's your son who did this. It was unsupervised. And they were going at it. And here I am. I'm like, this, we're supposed to be a happy place, spring break, and enjoy this wonderful water park. And this was going on. Somehow we all left angry. We took off. And, and here's what happened. Here's what I learned from that experience. It was two years later. We're thinking about doing another staycation. And I mentioned to my wife, hey, let's go back to that water park. There's something about that. Maybe the way I said it or even just mentioning that triggers something in her and you could see this sense of kind of anger kind of brewing in her and she could kind of retell the whole story of what happened. It's then when I realized that bitterness was still there. And here's what happens with bitterness. Bitterness starts off very small, always. But when someone offends us, right, that bitterness tends to grow in you. Right? It, it grows in you, and we replay what happened, how that person offended you over and over again in your mind. Then you begin to like enlist people to listen to you and your story. You're gathering an army of people saying, look at what happened to me. Someone offended me, and you have an army of people. Then what do you do? Then bitterness turns into resentment. And yes, bitterness and resentment, they're not two same things, two different things. They come from the same family. Bitterness describes the state of your soul, but resentment is an action you, you take because of your bitter soul. So the reason why we give, give people like silent treatment or cold shoulder is because you resent that person. The reason why we gossip about the person who really hurt us is because we've been so hurt and we, we, we have a resentment against that person. And bitterness and resentment have a way of controlling us. It is like sin crouching by the door trying to control us. And marriages are hurt and destroyed because of resentment. 
Friendships dissolve over bitterness and raging anger leads to violence. As one pastor said, you put the letter D in front of the word anger, then you have danger. Anger is very, very dangerous. But God, in his mercy, he always, God is so good. He's so gracious. He's always the one who first steps into us and initiates this opportunity for us to turn away from our anger. God is always looking for ways to bring us draw, and draw us closer to him. And that's what God is trying to do in verse six. Listen to what God says to Cain in verse six. Why are you angry, Cain? Why are you angry? Why has your face fallen? And when God asks a question, God, he's not asking the question because God doesn't know the answer. God knows the answer, right? He's asking the question because God wants Cain to reflect pause and think about why he is truly anger. This is an opportunity of repentance and confession, just like what we did earlier where we pause and really think about what we have done. And he asked this question, why are you angry? This is a moment of grace. And this is a question that I want us to sit with this morning because I don't think we are really good at pausing and thinking and reflecting why we feel the way we feel. Do you ever do that? Do you ever pause and really ask yourself, why am I really, truly angry? Evagrius of Ponticus is another fourth century Christian monk. I don't know why these desert fathers, they, I guess they had a lot of free time to think about these things, right? He said one of the most spiritual questions that one can ask themselves is this question, why am I angry? He said this is one of the most spiritual questions you could ask yourself. Why am I angry? And the reason why he says this is a spiritual, spiritually revealing question is because anger shows what you are guarding against. And this is what he writes. And why do you feed this dog? And when he says dog, he's referring to anger. If you claim to own nothing, if it barks and attacks people, obviously it has possession inside and wants to guard them. Evagrius says uh, anger is like a dog that guards the door of the house and barks to protect it. And I like how Tim Keller says it. I like his, his definition to be helpful. He writes, anger is energy released to defend something you love. In other words, anger is there to protect and guard and defend something that you love. So think about this for a moment. What makes you angry? So knowing that I had to preach on this topic, um, starting a couple of weeks ago, I began to write down all the things that made me angry for the last 14 days. You know, some people have food journal. I created an anger journal, and I will share some of those with you right now. You ready for this? What made me angry in the last two weeks? Someone uh, not picking up after their dog in our front lawn made me angry. Boo, yes. When one of my kids did not get enough playing time on the sports field, hitting back-to-back-to-back to back to back red lights on Preston Road when I had an appointment to get to. A reckless driver at 9 p.m. on Thursday evening going at 90 miles an hour, weaving in and out on Central Expressway. A different car, different day, when a car pulls out right in front of me and it goes 20 miles per hour under the speed limit. A Helen Park... High school student completely missing a stop sign and driving through a four-way stop. By the way, there's a theme here, right? Like driving and anger with me. Uh, this happened two weekends ago. I was traveling, 
a TSA security member uh, confiscating my hair gel because it was greater than 3.4 ounces. I paid $9 at CVS for this. My, my ninth grade child beating me in the game of chess twice in a row. And finally, uh, Brian asked me to preach on this topic of anger on Daylight Savings Day, knowing that he is enjoying the ski slopes right now. Yes, I may still be bitter right now. So after journaling my angry moments, I asked myself, what, what about that moment really made me angry? What was I trying to defend and guard and protect against? That's the question that our church fathers were asking us to, to ask, right? And according to Vagrius, the three most common things that we try to defend because of our distorted life are control, security, and power. The reason why you get angry when someone cuts you off in, in traffic situation or someone cuts in the line at the airport is because someone is getting in your way and you're trying to defend and guard against that little space in front of you that you perceive to be your space. You're trying to guard and control that space. The reason why you get angry when we are in a financial distress or having money problems or or debt issues is because your sense of security is gone and you feel powerless. And you begin to lash out at anyone, your spouse, friends, or even strangers because you don't have a sense of control in your life. And I believe for Cain, he tried to defend and protect and guard against his own pride. And when he couldn't protect his pride, his anger just spilled over everywhere to complete destruction. And Cain allowed his bitterness to turn into resentment. And against his younger brother, he resented his younger brother and God the Father. And we know from the Bible, another elder brother, right, who resented his younger brother and his earthly father because the earthly father showed this this extravagant celebration for the prodigal child. And Cain's anger turned violent. Verse eight says, Cain spoke to Abel, his brother. And when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. Friends, you and I may not uh, kill someone physically, But all of us, we have the capacity to hurt someone emotionally through our anger. And some of us have experienced a very violent anger. And let me go ahead and say this. If you are prone to violent anger, destructive anger, uh, there is help out there. You are not alone. You're not alone. Uh, You don't have to act out of your anger. As a kid, I watched how domestic abuse on my dad's side of the family just completely uh, broke relationships. And it's not good. It is not good. And God wants to give us a way out, and there is help. God is a merciful God. Ephesians 4, 12 says this, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of, of malicious behavior, and be kind to one another tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. You know, God wants to set us free. Today is a day of freedom. You know, we've been saying in this series that this series is really not about sins, but it's about freedom. And we're going to say no to anger. We're going to say no to destructive behaviors and say yes to God's freedom. Paul says in Colossians 3.8, but now is the time. Now is the time to get rid of anger. 
That's today, now, not tomorrow, not next week, but today's a day for us to get rid of our anger. And this is how I would like for us to end our time today. I I want us to ask two questions. Who or what are you angry about? And why are you angry? And I want us to wrestle with these two questions. As I invite the worship team to come come up, I want to give us time to kind of pray through these questions and really ask the Lord, uh, do something in our soul. Why are we hurt? Why are we angry? You know, because anger reveals the pain that's been going inside of us for a while. Maybe it's because of a family member, maybe someone who betrayed you, maybe something happened to you, you guys can come up, maybe something happened to you uh, that you can't shake off that happened during work. But by grace of God, he allows us to say no to anger and to yes to the freedom that God has given to us. You know, uh, God truly wants us, to, wants us to be free. God was angry at sin and Jesus died for us on the cross for our sins and he absorbed the wrath that belonged to us. And Jesus is the one who is standing by the door. Yes, sin is crouching at the door, but Jesus is the one who is standing by the door with his arms open wide, defending us and protecting us and guarding us. He is the one who is giving us security and identity. We don't have to grab onto power and control. You know, we get our power from the, from the power of the Holy Spirit, the resurrection power in Jesus Christ. And God is, is giving us this freedom. So I'm gonna invite you now to close your eyes for a moment. Take a moment for yourself. And may the grace of God fill this place because God wants to give us uh, freedom in this space for each one of us right now at this moment. You know, God already knows what's going inside of you. God already knows our past. He knows your thoughts. He knows how the other person hurt you because he was there. Who has angered you? And why are you angry? Gracious Father, will you help us to reveal any bitterness or resentment in our hearts? So just now where you're sitting, ask the Lord to show you the areas of your life where bitterness has grown. Lord, help us to restore the relationships that have been wounded by anger. We truly believe that you're kind to us, that you're slow to anger, abounding in love. So we just say to God, I release all of my anger, all the things done against me to you now. Lord, set us free from sinful anger. And thank you for your gift of grace that you have given to each one of us. By the power of your Holy Spirit, we fill this space right now and the heart in us. And we pray this in the healing and the powerful name of Jesus. Amen.